Shalom, and welcome to Keeping the Shul Lights On, a podcast about the challenges of operating a synagogue, creating a Jewish community and the hard work and efforts of a congregation's executive director and Jewish organizational leadership. Brought to you by Shul Marketing, concerned your congregation and community are not responding to your Shul Marketing? Discover the strategies to connect with them, reach them where they are, and develop the results your leadership is seeking. Here is your host, Howard Walpoff. Welcome back to Keeping the Shul Lights On. I'm Howard Walpoff, your host. Again, this is brought to you by shulmarketing.com. And I'm glad you're here with us because we're looking forward to having a great conversation with our guests today and just learning a lot more about why people get involved in working in the Jewish world and the different ways that an executive director in this situation really helps keep the shul lights on and make sure things run smoothly within a congregation that has a very long history and looking forward to how to keep building on that history in the future. Uh, my guest's name is Sarah Beth Salzman, and she's from Emmanuel Congregation in Chicago. And Sarah Beth, welcome to our conversation today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, we are very glad to have you join in this conversation and learn a lot more about the things you're doing for your congregation, for the Jewish community in Chicago. And uh, let's just start by asking how and why you got involved working in the Jewish community. Yeah, it's sort of an interesting story. I grew up in Augusta, Georgia, primarily. So the only Jewish communal professionals I knew were rabbis. And after that, everyone volunteered. I went on to do a master's in nonprofit management and at University of Michigan. They had a program at the time called Sol Drockler Program, which was for Jewish communal professionals. And I thought, that's interesting. I'll join just because I found it interesting. And then um, I haven't left the field since. And that was about 17 years ago. <laughs> well, it's good to have that entryway. Obviously, schooling definitely helps and definitely gives you a good background for that. But it's also very interesting that your background of having these small town uh, relationships within uh, the synagogue world, and it must have been one very tired, stressed out rabbi who uh, who held it all together, put really running <laughs> the entire ship with, with uh, no one else assisting them. Yeah, it had to be hard. I think they had a part-time admin, um, but heavy lay involvement. It was it was heavy lay involvement, but absolutely a lot on the clergy. Yes, and, and that's really a part of it. There really are those three pieces that go uh, connected together with the clergy, with the the the, the staff and the the lay leaders, and and really adding to it all the different types of volunteers that you can uh, that, that you can find uh, opportunities for to really help a synagogue yeah. go and grow. Absolutely. Um, it, it takes everyone to make it work. There's no question. So what led you to the, uh, the shul you're at now? What was the, uh, what excited you about uh, working for a, a long time uh, historic congregation in Chicago? So I actually joined their staff as their director 10 years ago for a few years um, and stayed in touch with them. I came, I moved to Chicago from Michigan um, and the job was open and it just worked out. Love the community. I left because we had moved further out. So for personal reasons, I then had the opportunity when they reposted the position three years ago to rejoin. And so called, applied and had an interview and, and eventually filled the role. I, The community is 
there's definitely the historic piece. Um, I had the pleasure of knowing Rabbi Shalman and his wife Lada. It it's a it's such a beautiful congregation in terms of the people. Um, and how they interact and how much they care that it's just been always had a special place in my heart. So I was very excited to rejoin. So you have a very interesting vantage point that not every executive director does. Now, many executive directors will have a number of different synagogues that they've worked at in their career in in different capacities. So they have those pieces of their own history Mm -hmm. to compare things to when situations come up. You actually have the same synagogue in two different eras, we'll call them, that you can look back and forth within the what, how you are operating. And how does that make things different for you? And how does it make things more helpful for you having some of that historical background? Well, it was very helpful just on a basic level, having rejoined the staff during COVID and knowing some of the players already in the history was much easier to enter in, where some of my colleagues joined brand new congregations during COVID. I think that's a much harder thing to do. So I was very blessed on that end. Um, It's been interesting to see how the times have changed and how the Jewish community has changed over the last 10 years. I think we've had an inkling of how community in general has been changing 10 years ago, but I think... COVID forced some of that to happen faster. Um, And I think we're moving in the right direction in several areas, not just our synagogue, but the community as a whole. Um, For example, I I don't believe we can work in silos anymore. We have to come together and do things together, whether it's synagogues, whether it's Jewish agencies and the synagogues, whether it's interfaith movements, we need to do more collaborative work and stop working in silos. It's not working. And I think that's the way of the future. It's interesting. My mind really is uh, is is wrapped on this, which I think is great because if you are an executive director who's been working in a congregation for 12, 15 years, things have changed. Time has gone by and the community and the congregation has evolved. But because you're so embedded into the day-to-day process, you may not see all the change that has happened. Your vantage point within the same congregation you see where some of this change has happened and can really help make a difference in evolving with it or addressing certain situations where you might not have that vision if you've been there the entire time. Am I wrong? Yes, Am I, I, right? I, think that, I think that's right. And in between, I also worked at other Jewish agencies. So I was very lucky to have different perception, like different vantage points in terms of through the lens of different agencies. Um, and so that's helped me bring it here, not to mention we, we just have incredible board and lay leadership, which to have those type of partners makes all the difference in the world with with reevaluating where you are and where you need to be. Um, and so that's been invaluable. I think with the right types of boards, it really shows the energy of the congregation as well and does make a job like yours uh, it's easier to address certain situations because you have some of those pieces to put into play with with real strong lay leadership and and board members. Uh, have you had experiences where you haven't had as strong of a board, and how does that make things a little bit more challenging for you as executive director? Um, so I I did have that experience when I was not an executive director, but rather an employee of an agency. So it was sort of once or twice removed. I think it makes a difference in terms of the the idea creation. When you really have a partnership, you can really explore possibilities together in such a positive way. 
I think then it goes further into being able to implement that and trust each other to take things in a different direction because change is hard. So for example, we just, the board trusted me to help select a consultant to do our strategic plan. And we vetted some, we talked about all of them, but they really took a chance with someone I highly believed in that's worked out great. And with their leadership, not only have we been able to develop the strategic plan to take us in a bit of a different direction, but we're able to really implement it. And not having that partnership would create roadblocks and delay things and just make it harder than it's than possibly necessary. Yeah, that is really the challenge that could be the case with having a lay leadership and a board where you really are relying on the right direction to be traveled by everyone. Sometimes you have people who really see things very differently. And I'm sure there's a lot of congregations who had a number of issues during COVID itself with how people saw different aspects of of what was necessary to to help open the doors or keep the doors closed and all those those pieces that were very challenging and, and sometimes headbutting with with the the lay leadership and the executive director. But on the other hand, as you described, really having that right partnership could really help with the growth that synagogues do need to survive in the in the 21st century. Absolutely. And having leadership that also are visionaries, which I've been very lucky to have in my tenure here, um, it makes all the difference in the world in terms of collaborating and looking forward. So what do you enjoy the most about your position? What is it that really gets you excited, whether it's something day to day, whether it's a certain time of the year? How, how does uh, that play into your enjoyment of everything that you do? I think it's two things. One is I really love the one-on-ones I get to do with congregants and get to know them and have those relationships and build those and help them connect to the congregation, hopefully, in the community. And I think second to that is, or in addition to that, is really um, being able to see us moving in a direction that's not just positive for us, but really positive for the Jewish community. And and that just excites me to no end. Now, you happen to be in a very large Jewish community. Chicago is a very big city. Chicago has a very vibrant Jewish community with, with lots of different synagogues and, and entities. How, I guess we can start with comparing it to Augusta, Georgia, where you grew up. How does that feel <laughs> to really have all those different pieces that you can interact with as opposed to what you remember from growing up and, and from other different aspects of, of communities that you've worked in before? You know, it's funny. I actually think it's it's actually a great thing to have all the options. In a small community, we had um, two synagogues. You know, there's there's that forever joke you have to, the one you go to and the, the one you don't go to. Um, and over time, they've actually remodeled their Jewish community to be more collaborative. But I think being in a large city, what the opportunities that exist for us is we really have the opportunity to collaborate in different ways and come together. We have started, for example, working with other synagogues and hosting services together hosting Havara groups together. Um, We did second day Rosh Hashanah with a suburban congregation. We work with an interfaith group as well. So we do some interfaith work within the community. And we even do staff sharing. In in other words, being able to find good employees when you have a part-time role, not just quality employees, but also longevity is really hard with part-time. We've been able to create a position with another, um, a, a Catholic day school down the street And we share an employee that makes them full-time and gives them benefits, but helps us with cost. And we're able to retain people. 
a little bit better and offer a better package. Um, so, so I think it actually opens the door for a lot of collaborative opportunities, which again, I, I think is really important in today's time in reaching um, people and, and having them be involved. We, we should not be competing against each other. And it's really good thought and sentiment uh, behind it because it really is community and being part of a community, you want people to be together and, and have great interactive relationships. They might have a, a different need and that basically change the decision of why they go to certain synagogue as opposed to another, but there still are many events that can be done within the community that have people interacting together and uh, and really learning things differently that they may not if they're just having a similar program within their own congregation. Absolutely. We want people engaged. And I always say if our picking a synagogue is a personal choice. And if it's not ours, I just want you to find the home that works for you. One unique thing about about being in Chicago is we have, you know, congregations in the suburbs and in the city, of course. And what we find is a lot of people transition during their lifespan between the two places. So having that collaboration, they get to know both sets of clergy, they get to know the different members, and it's it's a little easier of a transition when they go from city to suburbs to find a community that fits their needs. And so I think that's also been a really nice piece. I know we're, we're very fortunate here in, in Jacksonville, Florida, that uh, the conservative and orthodox synagogues really, uh, they share a, um, I guess, a, a land border, they're right next to each other, and there's a little path that they both meet and cross the street together. There's a lot of people who live in the walking area from both synagogues. And it's always fantastic to walk up and down the street. Everyone's saying hello to each other, Gashavis, and uh, and having that type of experience. We we actually had a a second rabbi candidate that we were really excited about. And while he liked our congregation and seemed to be leaning that way, the the moment that sold it for him is that's where he wanted to be is when we walked back from shul that that Shabbos that he came in for his interview and saw the communities blending at the light and crossing together and that really was to me it was rewarding to watch it in his face I happened to be there I happened to see his reaction and was had conversations with him afterwards to help translate the look on his face but it really is great when you can be in a community that has those moments like that absolutely. I agree. And I'm lucky I have um, my colleagues and I all meet on a regular basis and, and we're able to share ideas and come together and do things together and support each other, which again goes to that collaborative model, which I think is the future of the Jewish community. So as we're recording this now, we're we're just on the edge of Passover. Uh, there'll be a Seder uh, tomorrow night, uh, God willing for everybody. Uh, are there different periods and, and holidays in your congregation that you get excited about more than others that really that 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 you do things in your congregation that really are special? Yes, I mean, high holidays aside, I think our other really special thing is we have something called Share Shabbat. And it's the second Friday of every month. We're blessed to have Mark Renard and his wife, Susan Pertaki. Um, He is a chef and he donates his time to cook a meal the second Friday of every month. And we get anywhere between 70 to 130 people um, for a meal together and a service. And um, it's so wonderful to see everyone come together. Um, it's been such a strong program during the pandemic. We tweaked it to be takeout and people do Shabbat at home. So we continued the takeout model for those who are still not comfortable joining in person or just have a conflict, but still want to enjoy the meal. Um, but we are back to having people in person for it. And that's just every month, such a highlight. And 
we also enjoy in the summer when we can be outside for it. Those three months out of the year, we're allowed to do that <laughs> here in Chicago. <laughs> um, yes, so that's one of my favorite, favorite things that we do. I can imagine. I can imagine Blizzard Shabbat is not a big demand. It's it's not. It's strange, right? But um, <laughs> <laughs> the months we can be outside are just beautiful. We're right on the lake. So a beautiful view of the lake and a beach. So it's quite nice. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, when when you can you can utilize your grounds and 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 have activity, mm-hmm. that's really one of the biggest things that happen. And, and, and we have a very large synagogue and uh, building and and grounds for uh, for lots of different types of activities. And that's what really helped during the pandemic for our youth groups for USY mm-hmm. be able to have all these different types of events outside that really kept things going when we had congregations that were thriving over the course of time within our region that didn't have those abilities and and the uh their membership shrunk of for kids being able to do activities and now it's a whole rebuild in a lot of these different synagogues so it's it's great when you but weather permitting in, in in all parts of the country that you're able to uh to do great things yes now there's a lot of things that are on your job description that your members probably have absolutely no idea about and don't even think about. And, uh, and, but it's very important to the things that they do and make sure that, that everything operates and, and services are are happening and, and the lights are on and, and the air conditioning doesn't go out or if it has, it gets back on fixed very as quickly as possible. What, what are the, some of the things that you find to be some of your, I guess, usual challenges that your membership really has no idea about? That's a really good question. I I would say one of the things is we are in an an older building. Um, We are in a building that was originally built for 800 members. We're 275. It was built in 54. Um, We, so one of the things we do to help because buildings are expensive to upkeep is we have a lot of maintenance on the building that daily stuff comes up, um, which is just the nature of an older building, right? So you'd be surprised how many like little issues come up that we have to deal with in a timely fashion because we also have space shares. We have a private school that focuses on kids with dyslexia in our building five days a week. And we also have a church that shares a mission with us, a non-denominational church. Um, And so we have space shares too. So if something's wrong in the building, we have to address it pretty quickly um, because our building's pretty active. So that's one of the things people don't tend to see the daily part of the building, nor do I want them to all the time because we want to handle it internally and not worry people. Um, but you know, it's anything from a toilet not working to the carbon monoxide detector going off or an alarm sensor going off at two in the morning when we get a call, which is me. Um, that there's an alarm going off. So those, I think, are pieces people probably don't see on the, you know, don't think about in terms of the day, day-to-day day operations. Now, having a building that large that you're not utilizing, I guess, based on the membership levels you're at now, are there places in the building that you don't use at all that are that are blocked off or you're just not utilizing them on a regular basis? No. We actually utilize... Um, all of the space right now between the day school and the building and a day school, a, a 
it's not a Jewish day school. I just say day school, um, a school in the building and the, and the church. So we're actually utilizing every space at the moment. Some are more for rentals than day-to-day office space. For example, like we have a couple of small social halls that are more for rentals and meetings, but because of the space shares, we are actually utilizing the building, which is wonderful. Okay. And that makes sense. It's a good way to do it. Lots of congregations do this around the country because it's all about building revenues as well when you have the opportunity to do so. Absolutely. It's it's building revenues. And we've been very cautious and very careful to pick people with similar missions because there are things we hold very true to our heart that we want to make sure we're not sharing space with something that conflicts with that. Sure. And that's really a a balance of where you, there, you are a um, religious entity and there's mm-hmm. definitely a focus on community and people, but there's also, you're running a very large business with budgets mm-hmm. that have to be met and there's opportunities to generate revenue. You need to figure out what they are so that it's not hitting the congregation in harder ways than, than you'd want them to. Absolutely. It's um, we've, we've been very lucky with the space shares that we've come to this because the building was, um, and I know we're not alone in this churches too, in the country and other faith buildings, um, the buildings we are all in were originally built for very large functions and a model where everyone comes to the building to do everything. And that's just not the case anymore. Um, we are now going to the people more than them coming to us, coming to us, you know, all about relational Judaism, meeting them where they are, doing what they need, et cetera. Even our Hebrew school during COVID, we went to Zoom and we actually now keep that model. So we don't utilize the building on Tuesday nights for Hebrew school. We keep a one-on-one Zoom tutoring session for our students. So um, another way that we're not using the building instead meeting people where they are. Um, So we've seen more of that happening. Which is really a great way to, to to focus on the building and utilize it to its uh, to, to its uh, most opportunistic for every piece involved and the community as well. Making sure that Zoom really was a uh, a benefit for everyone in different ways. Some people <laughs> have had their share and fill of Zoom, but others really do see it as the as the business and social tool that it is, and continue to utilize it in in the best ways possible. Absolutely. We still do a lot of classes on Zoom, um, and that's been great because people, different people are able to join. We're still trying to find the balance. There's a small percentage that don't have computers. And so making sure we still have some in-person opportunities, of course, whether that means in the building or out of the building to engage them. And we have to engage them differently. We can't rely on e-bulletins for them. And we have to you know, still reach that population to make sure their needs are met. Um, so it's a little bit of a balance, but I, it's it's been actually a positive for us to be able to do more on Zoom for our community. So everyone that runs events and operates facilities always have these experiences that stand out more than most. Sometimes there are these remarkable, unbelievable, I can't believe I was a part of events. And sometimes there, I can't believe that happened. And why did that happen? And uh, are there things that stand out from your experience that uh, that you, you might enjoy sharing a, a story or two? You mean around the facilities, like things you didn't expect to happen, like that in terms would, of an event, that type That of would thing. work as well, yes. Yeah, I have a secret top 10 list. Um, I'm trying to think right now which one's the best to share. I, I think the most recent one that was fascinating was we had a gentleman um, pull into our parking lot on a scooter. Um, and this was 
right during drop-off. Luckily, carpool ended. And then the gentleman came back out of the parking lot. And our security officer was watching and doing carpool and everything. And just thought he was riding through, right? He came back out without any clothes on and at 30 degree weather and continued to ride through the parking. We asked him to leave, continue to ride through the parking lot without any clothes on. Um, and luckily missed carpool by five minutes. So we did not have to explain anything to the children. So these are things you don't predict are going to happen. Sure, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, I think the other one that's it's not nearly as funny, but we did have a, we were cooking a major dinner for our interfaith model Passover Seder and a carbon monoxide detector went off. Mm. We found out there was a leak with the oven while we were running it. It was the day before the event. We could no longer kick, cook in the kitchen and we were expecting 65 people. Our chef, God bless him, took all the food home, cooked it at home and brought it back to us, um, which was very lucky because we were on the verge of canceling it. So, you know, there are always these things that pop up and you just kind of have to go with the flow and make the best decision possible. <laughs> um, but it does make life interesting and never boring. And I think that really is the overarching thing that that the job of executive director is, is really never boring because there's so many different pieces of what you do and how it affects people in, in different ways. So it's, uh, it is pretty amazing when you have unique situations like that, but also very happy to see the, the regular day to day that everything just operates. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's a nice balance. I mean, as I said, it keeps things interesting. There's no question. <laughs> so, so how would you best describe if someone was asking you, tell me about your congregation, how would you best describe what makes it special? So it's a good question. We are a reformed congregation um, with, with based on our core Jewish values. We are a warm, welcoming community. We welcome everyone of different faiths, different gender, whatever gender identity. We really try to open our community to everyone and make sure not just that we open it, but make sure that our practices reflect the diversity and the openness. Um, and it's just, I can't say it enough. It's just a loving community. It's very low stress, low key families um, that just want to get together, enjoy their time together. Well, it does sound like a great place and a great congregation and obviously a very good place for you to be uh, in your career and uh, and in the role you play in making sure that they are uh, are enjoying the experience of being part of a congregation. So Sarah Beth, I really want to thank you for joining us and really sharing with us uh, your experiences and your anecdotes and, uh, and, uh, and for being a part of uh, the Jewish community. So thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. It was wonderful to be here. And thank you all for joining us as well. It's, so important to find your place in the Jewish community and even more so when you have uh, professionals like Sarah Beth who really are helpful in making sure that congregations continue to grow and have events and and uh, utilizing their facilities to the their best for what's uh, what's needed for their congregations and for their greater communities. So uh, please check out everything going on in Chicago. And if you're there, definitely stop by. But go and have a great rest of today, and we will see you next time. Whoa.